Hello. It's an honor to be with you this morning, to be joining you for worship, and also to be here with one of my good friends, Dan, in the back corner over there. Uh, I've spent six of the last seven years in Turkey doing mission work, and Dan and I overlapped for one, so he can back up everything I share with you today, if you have any questions. (laughs) I want to start with a little game activity. I'm going to give you three pieces of information about Turkey. Two of them are true. One of them is a lie. And I'm going to say one, two, three, and I want you to hold up the finger that you think is a lie. And don't look at Dan because he knows. All right. First piece of information. Arabic is the most common language spoken in Turkey. Number two, Mount Ararat, where the flood Noah's flood was, and he came down and landed on Mount Ararat, the ark. Okay? Number three, in the book of Revelation, John writes to seven churches. Those churches are all considered to be in modern-day Turkey. All right, so again, number one, Arabic is the, the national language. Two, Mount Ararat, where the flood and Noah's ark came to rest upon in Turkey. And number three, the seven churches written to Revelation in Turkey. So, on the count of three, hold up a one, a two, or a three. Which one is false? Okay, two of those are true, one of them is false. All right. One, two, three. Hey, pretty good. I think most people, most people got it. Yes, Arabic is not the language of Turkey. Turkish is the language of Turkey. Uh, Mount Ararat, Eastern Turkey, and the seven churches of Revelation are in Western Turkey, and they give tours of those places uh, even today. So I'm going to introduce a little bit about myself. Yeah, you can call me Samuel for the time being. After the service, you are free to refer to me as the other name, if you so choose. I wasn't raised in the church. Um, I came from a family uh, who believed in God, but was not very... Not very religious about it. My parents, even today, they find that their church is being out in nature. Um, I respect the idea of being out in creation and being connected to the creator, but it's a little bit different for them. In high school, uh, I encountered the real Christ for the first time at Lutheran High School West when I got to encounter the scriptures and read about Jesus and and interact with, with teachers and friends and understand his character and his love for the first time. From there, I went on to college and was involved in campus ministry. And at the end of that period, I felt that God was calling me into pastoral ministry, into the church. And so I went into seminary and did four years of study and began thinking about what I was going to do next. I really felt that the Lord had given me gifts, skills, passions for serving the church, for being a part of the church, for leading, for shepherding, for encouraging and equipping. But I felt like there was something missing. I was not ready. And so I prayed about it, and the Lord basically told me, I want you to live as an outsider. I want you to go out into the world, go somewhere where you are uncomfortable, marginalized, on the fringe, where you are not you know, the focal point of society, and learn what it is to be in that situation before you come back and serve, because those are the people I care about, the refugees, the aliens, 
the poor, the elderly, the sick, the imprisoned, those people. So find a context with, when you're, with those people, and you're not the central focused person in society. So I prayed about it some more and found that teaching English overseas was a good path for me. So, long story short, the Lord led me to Turkey to teach English. This was back in 2013. Now, I'm going to share a little bit more about it, but I want to cut to the chase. There's questions that people always ask me when I say that I am a missionary in Turkey, that I go to Turkey, I share the gospel, um, I serve the church there. Why Turkey? Isn't it dangerous? (laughs) You're crazy. I mean, people they don't say that, but they imply that. You're crazy. Um, And then people always say, well, there's lots of needs here in the States. Okay, can't argue with that. There definitely are. So how do you answer these questions? Why Turkey? It's so dangerous. Why would someone do that? I'll get to my answer there. But I want to look at it through the context, through the lens of the scriptures. And before I do that also, I want to give you a little idea of what Turkish people see God to be like, what they understand God to be like. So the Turkey's view of Allah, Turkey is a Muslim nation, and they worship the God of Islam, Allah. Uh, but it's also very interesting that they don't read the Quran very often, very rarely, and when they do, they only do it to recite prayers in Arabic. And as I just said, Arabic is not the language of Turkey. So they, they pray in a language they don't understand to a God they don't know. Um, but they do have some characteristics for him. They find him to be a vengeful God, Condemning God, a God that rejects you if you do too much wrong, disowns you, merciless. He doesn't show a lot of grace and favor, and he certainly doesn't show a lot of love. This is the context. This is what God looks like in Turkey. So I want to read over again Psalm 103, 1-5. And here the contrasts between who God is, who Allah is in Turkey, and who we know God to be from the Holy Scriptures. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. This is the New Living Translation, so it might be a little bit different. But there's a few active verbs that kind of show God's character in this passage. He forgives. He heals. He redeems. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life, or he satisfies me. Stark contrast from a God who rejects, who's constantly measuring to see how good you're doing and being disappointed. A God who banishes, condemns, disapproves. Two very different pictures of God. Going on a little bit further in Psalm 103, verses 8 to 12, 
The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heaven above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. How far is the east from the west? How far are the heavens to the earth? That is how big, majestic, loving, compassionate, tender, our God is. Imagine this news. Imagine this truth, these words, this concept from a Turkish perspective based on what I just told you about how they see God. His love is unimaginable. His compassion He forgives that much? Seven times 70, 77? Or (laughs) infinite? Ongoing? That can't be true. That's extraordinary. That changes my life if that is who God is. If I don't have to spend my life laboring to impress him and failing miserably every step of the way. If God is really full of that grace and mercy... That changes my life. It changes everything about me. So again, why do, I do, why do I go to Turkey? Why share this news in Turkey? Because it transforms people. It's an avenue for the Holy Spirit to come to show God's true character, to convict, to show love and compassion and mercy. And they need that. Imagine your life without that. As we read in Matthew 18, we are not in debt. Our debts are paid because we see God as the master, as the king, as the ruler who cancels the debt. But Turkey sees the manager who has that chokehold until you pay up. Again, stark contrast. We found the living water and the bread of life. And most of our friends, my friends in Turkey, are still looking for those things. And so it's so important to be back and a part of them. I want to share a couple of stories just to give you a little bit more picture of what life is like in Turkey. My first year, like I said, I was an English teacher. And I was a little shy. I was a little nervous. I knew Turkey was a Muslim nation and I didn't want to cause too many problems, get arguments, get too much attention thrown on me, or rejection. But I did feel like God was giving me some courage, some boldness. How am I supposed to pray for these people? How am I supposed to love these people? One day, uh, towards the end of my uh, shift at the school for the day, one of my good friends, my Turkish friend Hanife, she told me, I have this, Peter, I have this headache but it's not really a headache. It's, it's, it feels like something is knocking or clawing at the inside of my head. There's some, something there is just not normal, not right, and I'm scared and I'm worried and I don't feel good. She just kind of said it to, to say it. And I was like, oh, wow. To me, some alarm bells, some red flags went off. This sounds like something that's 
maybe a little supernatural, just how she was describing it. And I really felt in that moment God was saying, I want you to pray healing for her. You know, you've been talking about how much you love these people and care for them and want to be with them. I want you to show it. I'm going to take a, a leap of faith here. And I was like, God, I don't, I don't know. I've never done this before. This is outside of my comfort zone. And God said, that's exactly what you wanted when I sent you to Turkey, to be outside of your comfort zone. So took a few minutes arguing with God and actually kind of waiting for the very end of the day so I could pray for her and leave really quickly in case nothing happened, you know, because you know, that's what my faith was like. So I came in and I said, Honey Faye, I believe that God loves you, he cares about you, and he really doesn't want to see you in pain or torment or any, any affliction. And so he, he, tells us, he tells his people to pray that these afflictions would be lifted. Pray for, for healing. Pray for the Spirit to infiltrate you and, and take away any in, in, infection, infirmity, any problem. Can I pray for you? I was like, oh, I don't know what she's going to say. And she just kind of like turned and looked at me like awestruck and shocked, like, yes, please, yes, pray for me. Nobody has ever offered to pray for me in my entire life. This is just not anything she had understood or heard before. She's like, yes, please pray for me. I asked, can I put my hand on your head and pray for you? She said, yeah, sure. I mean, whatever you need to do. So I did. I prayed for her put my hand on her, on her head, and I prayed for her, and I prayed for this, this headache, this supernatural headache to go away. And as soon as it was done, as soon as I prayed, I got up and I left, because I, like I said, I didn't want to be there for the aftermath. Like, oh, it didn't work, kind of thing. As soon as I got in my door in my apartment, I looked down at my phone, and I got a message, and it was from her. And she said, Peter, Samuel, as soon as you prayed for me, it went away. Instantly. Instantly I was healed. The pain was gone. You must have some power. Tell me about it. And I, and I messaged her back and I said, it wasn't me. <laughs> I can guarantee you of that. It was not me. It was the God that I was telling you about. It was Jesus. It was the Lord that loves you, cares for you, wants to see you together with him and wants to see you freed from all bondage, affliction, pain, angst, worry, infection from evil spirits even. And that began a conversation. That began a dialogue, a friendship that I've had with Hanifei for the past seven years where she asks me to pray for her now. She shares about what's going on in her life. She seeks my counsel. She... She's opened up. So encouraging. These characteristics are how we break through in Turkey. By letting the Spirit work through us to show love and mercy and compassion. See, I've tried to argue and convince people, oh, they say the Bible's been changed. The Bible's not changed, and here's some evidence to back that up. doesn't work. Turkish people are dubious. They're suspicious. They don't trust most of the time, they don't trust even each other, except for their tight family groups. They don't read uh, history to kind of back up their belief. They trust with their parents, what trusted people in their circles tell them. 
And that's where their information comes from. That's where their faith comes from. But again, like I said, it's a faith that imprisons and shows darkness and despair and the need to keep working and try to prove yourself. So by showing relationships, by by exhibiting Christ through our actions, by loving people, caring about them, that's what breaks down the walls. That's where God acts and works and shows himself. Another story, not really a long story, but I had a, I've had a friend, an Iranian friend in Turkey for the past six years who, actually not a Muslim, diehard atheist, diehard atheist from Iran, um, who I got to know not too long after I came to Turkey for the first time. And we became friends. We'd play uh, frisbee together. We'd talk together. He would ar- want to argue all the time and very hostile and bitter, but he did enjoy being with my group of friends. Six years later, Lots of conversations, lots of authentic dialogue and prayer and closeness, accountability, friendship. And now my friend Shahab, my friends actually in, in, in Turkey messaged me just a couple weeks ago to say, he's now in two different Bible studies. He's opened up. He's, he's seen the Lord at work in you and us, and he wants that. He wants that living water, that bread of life. There are several victories like this that I've seen. But there's still a lot of challenge, a lot of hardship, and a need for workers, laborers, prayer warriors to be in Turkey, asking God, asking the kingdom to come and to shed his light in this dark, dark place. And so after six years of teaching English in Turkey, slowly getting burned out on the English part, but my heart was growing more and more for the being in Turkey and serving the church part. I was like, God, what do you want me to do? (laughs) I'm not sure. Like, I love these people. I'm so tired of English, teaching English. I I just want to be with the church. I want to be helping out at the refugee center. I want to be giving pastoral care and counseling to the English teachers and diplomats and refugees in Ankara. There's so many people, so many diverse groups of people there. God, what do I do? And he, he told me. He was very specific. He said, all right, you're done teaching English. I want you to go back to the States, and I want you to find an organization and come back as a connected person involved in the church, trained and equipped for this. And here's the big thing. You're going to have to raise your own support. I know that's a leap of faith, but that's what I'm asking. I was like, yeah, it's a leap of faith. I've been earning a salary at doing English teaching for six years and able to pay my bills. Wow, God, I, I feel really uncomfortable with this. And again, he's like, yep, you prayed for that. You prayed to be outside of your comfort zone. And so I was like, all right, okay. So I came back to the States, did a lot of praying, wasn't sure what to do. And God led me over the course of a few months to... Anglican Frontier Missions. Anglican Frontier Missions, based out of Richmond, Virginia. I really connected with them right away. They have a heart for the front lines, frontier missions, planting churches, reaching the unreached, sharing the gospel in places where it is mostly unknown. 0.2% of Turkey is Christian. 0.2. Very, very small minority, making it one of, if not the largest unreached nation in the world. And this is where 
the director of Anglican Frontier Missions and one of my main trainers spent 10 years of their lives. They know this place. They understand it. And I was like, wow, (laughs) we're brothers. I get it. I'm there. I'm with you. And so Anglican Frontier Missions has been training me. They've been helping me. They've championed my vision for going back to Turkey, for serving at the International Protestant Church of Ankara, where I've been attending three of the last uh, six years, the last three years. This church doesn't have a pastor. It's a very fragmented community of diplomats and English teachers and other missionary folk who spend a, a year or two and then go somewhere else or go back home. It's kind of a short stint. So it's a very fragmented, broken community. Um, but it is also very diverse, ethnically, uh, generationally. It's just a very beautiful community. And I felt the Lord saying, yeah, this is where I want you to be. And so I told, told Chris at AFM, and he said, all right, we're behind you. So I'm going back to Turkey. It's been over a year since I was there last. I came back last July. Going back this December, I'm getting commissioned at my church on November 22nd, and I'm going back to Turkey in December. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There's so much need over there. I've been talking about the Turks, but there's also so many refugees, broken, lost, hopeless, coming from places war-torn and ravaged, and coming with nothing but loads and loads of trauma. Turks, people I've come to love, surrounded by darkness, feeling like they have to work for a God who barely cares, or maybe doesn't care. And together, back here, with Anglican Frontier Missions, with my friends, my family, and the church, I am planning to go back to Turkey and share with these people what hope truly looks like, feels like, tastes like, sounds like. I want them to experience forgiveness, healing, redemption, that crown of love that God gives, and an acknowledgement that sins are taken away, Jesus has broken the bonds, set the captives free, given sight to the blind. Removed demonic headaches. This is who our God is. This is how amazing this news is. Do you remember when you heard this for the first time? Does it still resonate with you? There are over 80 million people in Turkey who haven't experienced that, who don't know that. Can we as the church be there for them? The Lord sends us out into the mission field. Yes, he sends us to the States too. He sends us to Canada and Mexico and and so many other places. But he's also, he has a a heart for Turkey, just like I do, because he gave it to me. Can we go there? The last part of this is how can we get involved? You know, Peter's going, I get that, but what can I do The most important thing you can do is to pray and commit to pray. Pray regularly. Pray often. Pray as often as you think of it. For me, there's so much spiritual darkness over there, I've found myself in depression and despair numerous times because of how dark, how spiritually dark it is. 
to pray for me. Pray for the church, the international church that is reaching out, that I want to serve, reaching out towards the, the Muslim populations, the refugees and the Turks. Pray for the Turkish church. I haven't been very much involved because they're very suspicious of outsiders too. They come in for a year and they leave. But pray for this, this, this indigenous church, which is so small but growing. Pray for hearts to be transformed. Pray for dreams, visions, an eye-opening awareness to, oh, all these things I've been learning about God my whole life are wrong. That you, God, you are a God who loves me, Lord Jesus, and you want me with you. You're not looking forward to throwing me out. You want me together with you. Pray for this. Pray for hearts to experience this. And the second part of this is, as I said, I gave up my salary. I gave up my income because I want to spend my time in the church. And people don't pay you to do that in other countries, in Turkey at least. So if you feel called, if you feel like the Spirit is pricking you in this, in this moment, I ask you to pray about joining my team as a, as a regular financial giver. Because that's what this ministry needs. It needs prayers and needs the generous contributions of the church back here in the States. Because, let me make this very clear, this is the church's opportunity, the church's call, the church's vision. Not Peter's errand, which a lot of people have basically insinuated. This is our call, our responsibility, our privilege, and our blessing. God blessed Abraham to be a blessing to the nations, and that's what we're doing. That's what this ministry is about, and that's what I hope you will join me in. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the people of Turkey, for my friends, for those I don't know, for just the encouragement and all the things I've learned just by being there. I've learned so much more than I've taught, I believe, but God, you've used that to shape and grow me, and I pray you've done that for this moment. I pray for those people, and I pray for the people here in this congregation today that they would, they would hear your voice speaking showing, exhibiting why this mission is so important, God. How can we get involved? Show us. Give us a picture. What does that look like? God, we praise you, and we know that you're a God of love and forgiveness and compassion. Not a judgmental God, but slow to anger, quick to show love and mercy. Help us to live in that reality today and forwards and help the people of Turkey and the refugees living over there to see this and find hope in this. Thank you, God, for this opportunity. Thank you for the people there and the people here. And I pray that we would become one, one church, not separated by borders and oceans, but, but united by our love of Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.